Alright, we're going to start here eight lines up from the bottom, on the bottom of Nunteram Bet. Mark's discussing some of the other items in the Mishnah. It says below the Kabbalah. We discussed Kabbalah earlier on, but loosely translated as a choker. Here the Gemara asks, what is this Kabbalah? My Kabbalah, Minakta Pare. It's something that brings together the Pare. Rashi, again, gives the same definition he gave back on Nun Bet, which is that it's some sort of bib that the woman wears that has loops on it. She ties it tightly around her neck. Remember there, she was trying to show off that she was hefty, that she was a heavier woman, and that's why she tied it tight around her neck. That's the same reason that Rashi gives over here and explains what it is, that bib that goes around her neck. On the other hand, he brings here an alternative, that it's kamin kabus. This min kabus, you can see on the left side, in the Mesorah Sashas, he gives you a picture of that metallic ring or moon that they wore, and it was tied onto the edges of the bag and filled into her neck. The third possibility is that it was a string, a choker that had beads threaded on it. So one of those items, but again, the, the main focus of this is that it's tight around the neck. Next thing is nizamim. So nizamim, usually translated, would be earrings. We hear the Gemara says it's nizme'af. It's nose rings over here. So what is not permissible to take out into Rishut Rabim and to wear in Rishut Rabim is a nose ring. On the other hand, earrings would be permissible. That's what Rashi says over here. Al nizme'ozin butarim l'chatchila. No problem. That it's hard for her to take them out and to show them to others. Because her ears are covered. Whatever it is that they're wearing, the head covering, it covered over her ears. And therefore it would be difficult for her to move the earrings to show them off to anybody else. So earrings are okay, nose rings are not. The issue is that we had earlier on, previous parak, we talked about the young girls who had their ears pierced, that they had the strings that were hanging in their ears to keep the holes open. Or they, they said that Asur meet the Rabbanan to go out with those because they can pull them out, they can show them. So Tosafot over here wants to differentiate between those types of strings which are removed easily versus earrings which are more complex because they have a backing, whatever it is that holds them in place would make it more difficult to pull them in and out. Not with the ring that doesn't have on it a signet, a seal. Applied from that is, if it did have a seal or signet on it, and the woman was wearing it, she'd be chayevet, chayevet ha-chatat. Alma, what's the conclusion of that? Lav tafshchitu, it's not a tafshitu. Lav tafshitu, it's not a jewelry, not the adornment to the woman. This is now a masui. We have a problem, we have a Mishnah in Kilin, that says, Jewelry of women is tamei. What's the definition of women's jewelry? Katlaot, so that we know already these chokers. Nizamim. Nizamim, again, stam nizamim means nizmeoz, that means earrings. Vitabaot, and rings. What type of rings? Vitabat, ben she'eshalachotam, ben she'eshalachotam. Whether it has a seal or signet on it, whether it doesn't have a seal or signet. So here is a classification of woman's jewelry, and included that is a ring with a seal on it. Benizmeaf. And then, in addition to that, nose rings. That's not a problem. It's the difference between who's the author of disposition, Rabbi Nechemia or the Rabbana. Detanya, hishumatechet. If the ring is made out of metal, shel amug, and the seal, the signet, is made out of coral, tmeyahi, then it's tmei because the ring, which is the major portion, is made out of metal. Shel amug shel matechet. On the other hand, if the ring is made out of coral and the seal or signet is made out of metal, tehora, because the major part of the ring, which is the ring itself, is made out of coral, and that is not mikabel tuma. Rabbi Chemia mit tamei. says no, it's tamei. Shai Rabbi Nechemia Omer. So when it comes to a ring, you go after the seal or the signet. It's an interesting machloket here. The Chachamim believe, and we're going to see this in one second, that you always go after the major portion of whatever the item is. Even though that's not 
the primary purpose, function, or utility of the item. Nevertheless, you go after what creates the majority of the item itself. So here for the ring, you're right. The seal of the signet is the most important part. It's the utility, it's the function of the ring. But the ring itself is what holds it together, what keeps it together. It's the largest part there. So Chamei believe you go after the ring. From Nehemiah says, no, you, function, you focus on the function, the utility of the item. And whatever provides the function, the utility, that becomes the primary item here. So he says the seal or the signet is the primary item here. So if the seal is made out of metal, it's going to be tamay. The seal is made out of amol coral, it'll be tahor. But he says this in more than one item. He says, number two, for instance, be'ol. When it comes to a yoke of the animal, you should go after the pegs that hold it together. The way their yoke was, it was two pieces of wood, one that went above, one that went below, and then you sealed it together around the neck of the animal by putting pegs through it. He says those pegs are the most important part of the old, because that's what holds it together. That's what makes it functional and working. So if those are made out of metal, tamay. If not, tahor. Chachamim are going to say the opposite. We focus on those wood pieces, which are the largest portion of the yoke of the old. Bikolev. Halech achar masmerotav. It's equivalent of a coat tree. We have a coat tree that has a large wooden pole, and then you have nails or pegs on the top to hang the coats on. What the pegs are, Rabbi Nechemia says that's the most important part. That's the function. You use the pegs to hang the jackets up, to hang up the coats. So therefore, if those are made out of metal, tamay. If they're not, tor. The Chachamim say no. They post. The tree itself is what's important. Bisulam, a ladder. Rabbi Nechemia says, Alechachar, Shlivotav. You go after the rungs. The rungs are what provide the function, the ability to climb up the ladder. So that's what's important. Chamim, again, you go after the total ladder, the sides, the boards that hold up the rungs. It comes to these are large scales. These very large scales to weigh heavy things. So Rabbi Nechemi says you go after the chains that hold up the two sides that allow you to weigh the items. We're going to say, wait, the scale is very large. You have a center post. You have a cross beam on the scale. Those are the more important pieces of the scale. Which is what we've been describing all along. The Chamin believe you go after the object that holds up the item. The Ma'amid is what provides the structure of the item. And that's what's the most important part. Rabbi Nechemia says it's the utility, the function, which is the most important part. Based on that, we'll differentiate between when you have a ring that has a seal or a signet in it. In one place, we said that it was Takshite Nashim. It was part of what the women wear. And on the other hand, we had a case where we said that women do not wear those. It's not considered takshit nashim. Depends what you focus on. If you focus on the ring itself, then that is considered to be takshit nashim because women wear a ring. If you focus on the chotam, if you focus on the seal, the signet, women do not use or utilize those items. Why is that? So Rashi says, because the chotam lishad lav takshitu. Seal or signet for a woman is not a piece of jewelry, an adornment. Dein derech lishad achtom. A woman doesn't normally seal and send out messengers. Then with a person who is of stature, who is appointed to a position of power, who dictates these types of items, someone who's going to be involved in the business and in uh, transacting and having people go out on his behalf. That's a person who needs a seal. That's not true by the woman. Rabbi comes up with a different solution. He says, let's study Mkhtani. Study Mkhtani means that when you read it in the Mishnah, don't think it's only one topic. So even though the heading of the Mishnah was Takshitei Nashim, which is the jewelry, the adornments of women, within the Mishnah, when it's talking about the items there, it adds in those both types of rings. Now when it says those rings, it says, well, you have a ring with a seal or signet on it. That is the ring of a man. 
Then you have the ring without the seal and signet. That's the ring of a woman. They're both Tmeim, because they're both Kelim. They're both used as Tachshitim, but in different contexts. So they're both going to be Megabal Tumah, but the Gabet Shabbat will make a difference if you're a man or a woman. That's not true by the Tumah. But Nachma Yizgamar, Tumah Ashabbat Karamit. How could you ask a question, a stira between Tumah and Shabbat? Tumah, klimase amarachmana, uklihu. The only factor by Tumah is, is it classified as a kli? Is it classified as a utensil? How do you know if it's classified as a utensil? Is it jewelry? Is it not jewelry? Is it worn by people, not worn by people? Doesn't matter, man or woman here. If a man would wear such a ring, the ring is mikabel Tumah, because it's a kli. Here, by Shabbat, we're more focused on whether it's jewelry for this particular individual. So in Shabbat, yeah, this ring is not a jewelry for a woman. It's considered a masui. But if I look at it abstractly and I say, is this a kli or not a kli? The answer is yes. So the gavet tumah, it is a kli, and that's why it's mentioned in the list. It's not one of the takshit de nashim, but it's in that list there because it is truly a kli. On the other hand, when it comes to Shabbat, Shabbat mishum masui, problem by Shabbat is that it's carrying. So Amachwana, ain alechotam takshit, yesh alechotam masui. And it's very simple. It doesn't have a seal or signet. That's a adornment, a piece of jewelry. It has a seal or signet in it. That's a masui. So you have a different din. You're looking at a different issue when it comes to Shabbat versus Tumah. Tumah, you're focused on kli. Shabbat, you're focused on jewelry versus masui. In the end, on the halach of Shabbat, it'll depend who's wearing it. And dinay tumah, it doesn't matter because it still is a kli, because a man would wear such an item, and therefore it is a ring. May not go out with a pin, a needle, that does not have a hole in it. Not having a hole in it really removes its major function, which is it cannot be used for stitching or sewing. So the ma'ichazio, what do you use such a thing for? Now the question according to Rashi and Tosafot is different. According to Rashi, the question is, the ma'ichazio, what makes it into jewelry versus a masui, something that you would carry around? So suppose it says here, the question is, on a weekday, what would you use such an item for? What's its primary purpose? Because a woman rolls up her hair on it. That's interesting. Rashi thinks that it's the equivalent many times when women roll up their hair, they make their hair into a bun. They usually do it around a stick or some item that allows it to hold in place. So that's what Rashi claims this pin is used for. It's to hold the hair in place when it's rolled up or moved up. He says it has to do with some of the hair that sticks out. They roll it onto the pin and they can push it up into their head covering. The Tosafot suggests that it's more the head covering itself. The pin goes through the hair and the head covering and it holds the head covering attached to the hair. I mean, it, it locks the hair in place under the hair covering. It should be the equivalent of, call this loosely a garter, that is vitishtare, and it should be muteret. The way Rashi reads this, and we'll just explain what this item is, this item is a bracelet of sorts that goes around the thigh of the woman to hold up her stockings. Right, the garter is usually around the, the waist that's used to hold up, but here it's a specific unit that's put around the thigh itself, some sort of bracelet that locks the stocking in place. So loosely call it a garter. Now that is considered to be tehorah. Tehorah because it's not a kli that functions for itself, it's a kli that's used for something else. Its function, its primary usage is to hold up the stockings, not to be an item on its own. So say the same thing here by this needle. This needle is not functioning because of itself, it's only helping something else out. So that, according to the Tosafot, is easy to understand. He says you have the pin that holds the hat together, holds the hair together with the hat. Just like this bracelet, this garter, holds the stocking up on the woman's leg. So since they are both functional, not for themselves, but to make something else better, make something else work, then they should be considered 
Tehora, they shouldn't be considered a Kli at all. So according to Tosa, means it shouldn't be considered a Takshit, and therefore there should be no Chashash of her removing it on Shabbat, because it's not a Takshit that she shows off to other people. It's something that stays in place, because its whole function is to help something else. Rashi, on the other hand, says, Since it's made for something that it's Tzniyut, she's not going to take it off. The garter is not something she's going to show to her friends because she would have to make herself unsanua. She would have to lift up her skirt or whatever it is to show the friends or to remove it. And that is not acceptable behavior in public. So therefore she would never show it to her friends. So don't worry about her taking it off. And let's say the same thing by the machat. The machat is made the tzniyuta. It's either to roll up the hair inside of the hat or to hold the hair inside of the hat. Either way, it's something that's under the hair carving. She's not going to undo that because that's going to release the hair. So that's something also that's the tzniyuta. So again, Tosafot and Rashi have slightly different malchim here through the Gemara. Rashi following the approach that they're asking, what is this? A takshit and not jewelry. The Gemara answers, it is a takshit because she uses it to roll up her hair. Then the Gemara moves on to the next stage and says, well, why does it matter if it's a takshit? Because she'll never take it off at this point in time. Why is it illegal for her to go out with it. It's in a place where she would never remove it. And therefore, why are you saying it's a sur here? That's Rashi's approach. Tosafot's approach is nothing to do with takshi. It's a question of, why is it jewelry? And the answer is because it's used to hold the hair covering in place, the hair in the hair covering. And then the question is, why does that matter? Because we know something that is only there for another item. It's only there to help out another item be functional. That is not mekabal tumah. The same thing over here. This shouldn't be classified as a keli. He explained it this way. Because a woman parts her hair with it. She uses this needle to part her hair. Now the Gemara then asks, Why is that? What are you going to use it for on Shabbat? Now, according to Tosafot, the question all along is, what did you use this during the weekday for? And now the Gemara moves on and says, On Shabbat, what, is it, what are you going to do with it on Shabbat? The Rashi, or the way Rashi reads it, is that this is why it's jewelry. All along, this is why it's jewelry. So on Shabbat, it should be fine. Now the Gemara says it's used to part the hair. Rashi makes a statement, which he doesn't back up. And he says, you're not allowed to part your hair on Shabbat. Since you can't part your hair on Shabbat, the Gemara is now asking, what type of jewelry is it on Shabbat? What's it useful for on Shabbat? Tosafot says the question here is, okay, she uses it to part her hair, but it's still not jewelry. If it's not jewelry, then it's a masoi. What on Shabbat makes it into jewelry? That's those are the question is what makes it to jewelry on Shabbat? Rashi says it's jewelry, but it's not something you can do on Shabbat. So the answer of the Gemara now is Amarava Tas Shelzav Yeshla Rosha. The needle has two ends. One end is a sharper end. The other side is a flat piece of metal. So during the weekday, she uses it the pointy side to part her hair. On Shabbat, she uses it decoratively by placing it. On her head. On the weekday, she uses it part of her hair. According to Rashi, that's fine, that's jewelry, but it still doesn't help you because you're not allowed to do that on Shabbat. According to Tosvot, it's not even jewelry if you part your hair with it, it's just a kli. So what do you do with it on Shabbat? The end is, She places it on her forehead. She inserts the sharper end, the needle, upwards into her head covering. And that flat piece of metal then sits on the forehead as decorative jewelry. So that's how she wears it on Shabbat. The needle is used to anchor it into her head, not through her skull, into the head covering in the front, which allows this square or tas of zahav to sit on her forehead, which is a form of jewelry. And that's why on Shabbat, according to Rashi, it's permissible to go out with it, because that has function on Shabbat. According to Tosafot, that makes it into jewelry. Now it's being used as jewelry, not something like a hairbrush or a comb. That's a masui.
Okay, next Mishnah. Lo yitzay ish b'sandala misumar. Person can't go out with a sandal that is held together by nails. That he uses nails to strengthen the connection between the sandal itself and the leather that's on top of it. Velo b'yachid. May not go out with one shoe. If he doesn't have a wound on one of his feet. The Gemara will discuss which one of his feet he has that on. But he may not go out with one shoe. The Mpavli, or it seems here that the Rishonim explain it's because when he's walking in public and people see him with one shoe, they're going to laugh at him. They're going to make fun of him. And what's he going to do? He's going to remove the other shoe and carry around on Shabbat. The Yushalmi says the problem is when he walks around in one shoe, people are going to think, where's the other shoe? He's carrying the other shoe in his bag and he's holding the other shoe. So there's going to be suspicion about him walking out with one shoe that he's carrying the second shoe. Velo b'tfilin, a person may not go out with tfilin on Shabbat. Velo k'meya, and not with an amulet, b'zman she'en minimum It's not from someone who already is expert at writing these things and it's efficacious. Now here we go to wartime type of adornments, which are velo b'shiryon, a person can't go out with chainmail. Velo b'kazdo, may not go out with a helmet. Velo b'magifayim, not with the boots. If he does go out with them, he's not chayav chatat. Because all of these are considered to be tachshit or malbush. They are clothing, they are things that people wear. It's just not the type of things that you wear on Shabbat. We're talking about an Easter de Rabbanan, we're not talking about an Easter de Orait over here. Now the Gemara, we're going to spend the rest of the day on this issue really, which is Sandala Misumar. What is the problem with this sandal that has the nails in it? So, Amar Shmuel, Shalfeha Gzeira Hayu. It was the tail end of the Gzeira. That's one way to interpret it. These were the Gzeirot. It seems to be the one, the Greek Gzeirot. It's actually Minyana Dioma. seems to be the Greco-Syrian Gzeirot of Antiochus from the time of Hanukkah. So this was the tail end of those Gzeirot. That's one possibility. Or Rashi says Shalfei means those that were sliding away from the Gzeirot. Those that were hiding from the Gzerot. They were hiding in a cave. If a person comes in, that's fine. But a person may not leave. Because when you're coming in, they can survey the area, know that nobody's watching them, and they can come in. But when you go out, you have no idea who's above you when you come out of the cave. And you might expose everybody that's there, so nobody can go out. They're afraid once you went out, they know where they were. Rashi says this a number of times. He says that this... Sandalo Misumar has the ability or an opening on both sides. It can be worn in either direction. It means that it can be worn forwards or backwards. It did have a shape, which maybe made it narrower in the front or wider in the back. I would say it's the equivalent of a wooden clog. That's what we're speaking about here. And the way Rashi describes, there was an ability to insert your foot from both sides. So somebody inserted their foot backwards, and they put it on backwards, and then they walked into the cave. Well, because of the shape of the shoe, even though he was walking in, it looked like someone had exited from the cave. One of them left, and then the enemy had spotted them. Now they're going to come. They're afraid now that they've been exposed, and that they can't stay in there. They basically trampled each other. They ended up killing amongst themselves from the trampling, from the chaos that ensued, more than the enemies would have ever killed amongst them. That's one explanation of it. They were in a cave. And they heard people walking above, or they heard noise above. They suspected that they were now being attacked by the enemy. Again, they crushed each other. This was a, a crowd. And they killed amongst each other. Again, they did more damage internally 
from friendly fire than they did from what the enemies would have done? A very good question. One second. They were in shul. They heard noise behind the shul. Remember, their shuls are out in the field. All of a sudden, they hear some noise behind the shul. They thought again that the enemy was attacking. They ended up trampling, crushing each other. Again, there was more problem internally than there was from the external enemy. What does this have to do with Shabbat? person may not wear these sandalim and musumarim, these sandals that are affixed, strengthened through nails. Where it says, What does this have to do with Shabbat? You shouldn't be able to wear these anytime. The problem is that we're afraid that when people are in tight quarters, they're going to trample each other, they're going to cause difficulty, then that should be anytime. Where it says, It happened on Shabbos. The incident transpired on Shabbat, and therefore, there were goes there on Shabbat itself, because that was the nature of the incident. It's very similar to what happens today, for instance, when an individual got on a plane and he decided he's going to blow up the plane by putting gunpowder in his shoes. So what happened after that? Everybody's shoes have to come up to check their shoes. It's basically a nature of people. They're fighting the last battle. It's not looking ahead to see what the problem will be. It's just saying, oh, this was a problem. Therefore, we're going to have to be goes there. We have to deal with that problem that happened or transpired. So they addressed that the issue that they just saw. So that's exactly what happened here. This is what happened. So therefore... That's going to be the gzera. I think it's both the wooden clog plus the masmerim together because they're sharp and they're metallic. That's what caused the trampling of the individuals. Yom Tov. How come you're not allowed to wear these on Yom Tov? If the incident happened on Shabbat, why can't you wear them on Yom Tov? And Tanan, we have a Mishnah in Beitzah that tells us, and here we have in parentheses the first part, it says there, Mishalchim kelim Yom Tov ben Tfurim ben Shen You can send on Yom Tov clothing whether they're stitched up or not, the idea is that you can engender simchat yom tov, as long as the item is not mukset. May not send over a sandala misumar or a shoe that is not stitched up. You can't send either of those. So why can't you send a sandal musumar? The answer is because you can't wear it. And somebody would come to wear it. It looks like something they put on and they'd be excited about on yom tov and they might put it on. So, so we don't allow you to send it over on yom tov. So why is it that on yom tov you can't wear it? So when it says, Shabbat my time all, what's the reason they made the Gzera on Shabbat to eat Nufaya? Nufaya means that there's large assemblies. So since there are large assemblies in Shabbat, that's where you have the risk of trampling. Crowds. Where you have crowds, that's where you have this risk. So they were goes there every time they had a crowd. Yom Tov, Nami Nufaya. On Yom Tov, you have the same problem. Yom Tov has the same experience as Shabbat, where you have huge crowds, you have the possibility of trampling. So when it says, if that's the case, what about a fast day? A public fast day also involves the gathering of the people together, everybody's together. Why don't you say there, it's also a surah to wear a sandal musumar. It should be correlated not with Shabbat or Yom Tov, it should be correlated with large assemblies, whenever there's a large congregation together. So when it says, The incident took place in an assembly that was on a day of Easter Malacha. So therefore, You're right, it's an assembly, but it's an assembly where there's no Easter Malacha. So because of that, we're going to separate. Even according to Rabbi Hananiah ben Akavya, Damar, Again, this is another incident which precipitated a They were taking the Mepara, the Mechatat, which is for the Paraduma, the waters that have the ashes of the Paraduma on it, use it to be to Matahir people. They happened to take it across the Ardain in a boat, 
and they found in the boat that there was a gazayit of a mate in the base of the boat, which made it tamay and ruined the mechatat. So there goes there from then on, the chamim at least were goes there from then on, no transporting mechatat across rivers. Again, it's a similar type of idea. They had this incident, and then they're, oh, no more doing this because of this incident. Same thing, the reaction precipitated the gzera. Rechananiah ben Akavya says, wait a minute, the incident was on the Jordan River. And a boat. So that's the only thing we're going to When you want to traverse the Jordan River, you may not do that. But traversing any other body of water is fine. The Chachamim say traversing any water is where you go a bridge, boat, any water is problematic. He said the only thing that's problematic is the Ardain. So over here too, Rabbi Hanani ben if he holds true with his idea of where Gzeir works, who are very particular about the Gzeirah, it should only be on Shabbat, not on Yom Tov. But Gemara says, even according to Rabbi Hanani ben he would say over here that Yom Tov and Shabbat are equal. Because over there, Hani Mile Yardain de Shani The Jordan River is distinct from other bodies of water. Since it's distinct, you could define the Gzeira by the Jordan and not by other bodies of water. Av Yom Tov and Shabbat ki Ninu. Yom Tov and Shabbat are inseparable. They're the same day, basically. How do I know that? Tetnan, we have a Mishnah that says, Ain bin Yom Tov the Shabbat, el Ochel Nefesh Bilvad. Shabbat and Yom Tov are exactly the same, except for one little item, which is Ochel Nefesh. Happens to be a very big item. The fact is that preparation of food items or food stuff on Yom Tov is permitted, but otherwise it is Shabbat. Yom Tov is just a derivative of the paradigm of Shabbat. So because of that, even Rabbi Achananya ben Akavya would agree, in this case, that the Gzera would cover both Shabbat and Yom Tov, not just Shabbat. Even though by the other Gzera, he said it was only the Jordan and nothing else, over here he would not make such a differentiation. All right, now, the Gemara is going to continue. So far we dealt with what the Gzera is and when it applies. Now the Gemara is going to say, what is classified as a Sandal Misumar? What comes into this category to be a Sur? So now the Gemara says, Amr Yudam Hashmo, Lo Chazik. It's only true if the nails are placed in there to strengthen the shoe, to hold the shoe together. If they're placed on there for decorative purposes, adornment, mutar, then it's okay. How many nails can you put in and still be classified as being decorative? Five in each of them. Seven in each of them. I'll explain to you my position. Why do I say five? Two on each side. And one of them to hold the straps of the sandal. According to Rebbe why does he say seven? Three on each side that are decorative on the, along the inner side and the outer side of the Sandal. And v'chad b'tarsiyotav. And one, that's by where the straps come out of the shoe. So Mary says, Meitavei. Sandal anoteh osolo sheva divri rabinotan. A sandal whose sole is not flat. It is thicker, on, let's say, on the outer edge and thinner on the inner edge. Then you can put in seven nails to hold it up. Divri rabinotan. Rabbi matir b'yudgimel. Rabbi says you can even put up to 13. Bishlam ala rabbi chanina huda mark rabinotan. Rabbi Hanina could subscribe to the Tana's position, Rabbi Natan, and say, that's where I got my seven from. Rabbi Yochanan, Damarkeman. Who does he hold like? Who does Rabbi Yochanan, who gets five, he doesn't have either of the positions. Rabbi Natan says seven, Rabbi says thirteen. So who Damark, Rabbi Norai? He subscribes to the Tana, Rabbi Norai's position. To Tanya, Rabbi Nai Omer, hey, mutar, Pesheva asur. You can put in five nails as decorative, seven you may not. Amalei. Eifa, the rabbi of Barbar Chanot. Eifa is the shame of Batamur Chochom. Rashi over here says, he was the son of Rabbi Rechava, the Pumpadita. See, he says to Rabbi Barachana, Atun Talmidei de Rabbi Yochanan, since you are the students of Rabbi Yochanan, Aviduka Rabbi Yochanan, 
You should practice like Rabbi Yochanan and only put in five. Anan, Navin, to Rabbi Chanina. But we, on the other hand, will subscribe to the position of Rabbi Chanina that allows us to put in seven. Bamine, Ravuna, Miravashi. Chameish, Maho. You put five nails in. Amalei, Afilu, Zain, Mutar. Even seven is permissible. Tetmai, what about nine? Amalei, Afilu, Chet, Asur. Even eight is Asur. Bamine, Hauratzano, Mirabiami. This shoemaker asked Rabbi Ami, what about tafrubi mifnim mahu? If it's stitched on the inside, what's the din? So the way Rashi explains this is, shnatan al sha'or lifnim in a sandal. He basically inserted a leather shoe into this wooden clog. So the wooden clog, and now he's inserted a entire leather shoe into the clog. That's one way to describe it. The other way to describe it is tafrubi mifnim is that the attachment to the shoe is internal. So it's not exposed. You can't see from the outside how it's affixed. Or what it is holding it in? What's the din in that case? So he answered in Amalei Mutar. He says it's totally Mutar. But I don't know why. I don't remember why. I know it's Mutar, but I don't remember why it's Mutar. So Amalei Rav Ashi Damar He says you don't remember the reason. Says once the stitching is internal, that turns into a shoe and not a sandal. The sandal gazrube rabanan. It's a sandala misumar that's mentioned in the Mishnah. That's what the gzera is about. But a shoe does not have the gzera. Gzera, again, this is narrowing it down to the incident. The incident took place with these sandalim. I'm not sure if the focus on sandal is because they have the wooden clog sandal. So that's the problem here. That's the wooden base. A shoe does not have that type of sole. Or maybe it has a thinner sole. Or is it simply that, like we said before... They're just mirroring the incident that happened, and there they happen to be wearing sandalim, not minalim. They didn't wear nalim. They didn't wear shoes. By me, Rabbi Ava bar Zavdo, me Rabbi Ava bar Avina. Aso kamin kalbus. If you made it like a kalbus, mahu. What's the din? Now kalbus, you can see on the left there. Rashi in the Mesorah Tashas, he has the same picture we had at the beginning of today's daf. We start out the kalbus is that moon-shaped piece of jewelry. So I would call it the equivalent of a staple. What happens if it's not put in like a nail, but rather a staple which has two sharp edges that you bang in, and the two sharp edges then stick in, and it's used more like a staple than it is as a nail. That would be the question according to the way that that looks. Other definitions of the word kabos are tongs. Kabos are actually tongs. And the suggestion here is what happens if you put them in in a zigzag fashion? Put them in not like the normal way, which would be around the edges to put the nails in, but you put it in an X, the tongs, which are like scissors. So when you leave them open, they look like an X shaped. So and if you do that zigzag fashion, what's the din there? Amale butar says that it's fine. It marnami. We have a similar Amoraic statement. Amar Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanina, Sogamin Kabus Mutar. Make it like this Kabus, you're fine. Amar Rabbi Sheshit, Pipu, Kulo, Masmerot, Dejlote, Karko, Choto, Mutar. This is very interesting. If you put in nails across the entire sole on the bottom, in order to protect the sole, so the sole won't wear down. Equivalent today, what shoemakers put on the shoes, they metal tips. They said they put them on the toes or on the heels to stop you from wearing down the shoe, they put a metal tip there. So here, he did that, he placed along the whole sole of the shoe, he placed nails there to protect the, the sole. So in doing so, he's changed the nature of why the nails are there. They're no longer there to hold the shoe together, they're there to protect the sole of the shoe. Now, I would suggest that this is a much more dangerous shoe. But nevertheless, he says, Mutar, that is totally fine because that's not the nature of the Xera. The Xera is about a shoe that's held together, the Chazek Oto. That's when the nails are placed in. But when you're talking about nails that are simply there to protect the soul, that's not part of the Xera. That's not part of the issue of Sandalam Sumar. Tanya Kavate de Rav Sheshet. We have a brighter that supports that position. Rav Sheshet. Person may not go out with a Sandalam Sumar. 
One can't not only wear it out in public, can't even go from house to house in it. I feel the You can't even wear it as slippers in the house to go from bed to bed. The first thing which is very important here is that you're allowed to carry it around, which means that it's not muksit. Even though it's a sur to wear on Shabbat, nevertheless it does not get a status of muksit. Because the reason it's a sur is only because of exerat chachamim that maybe you will come in to trample it. And the Easter of carrying it around would be, we won't allow you to carry it because you might put it on your foot, you might wear it. So here the answer is that we don't say that. We don't say that problem. And therefore it doesn't have a din of muksa. So that's why you can carry it around. Like chasot batakli, if you want to put it on top of a utensil to cover it. Or the smoke batakariya to hold up the bedposts. From the ground, again those bedpost cups that you put underneath of it, this would be the equivalent. You could place it up on the bedposts. You're allowed to do this. This is somewhat problematic if you remember at the top of this amud, we said on Yom Tov, not let's send sandal musumar as a gift. Why aren't you allowed to send it as a gift? Because we're afraid he's going to wear it. We're afraid that you're going to use it, which you're not allowed to do on Yom Tov. Over here it's saying it's not Muxit. Tosfot over there differentiates and says, Mekom Mekom, cannot send on Yom Tov because the Iker focus on Yom Tov is the Simchat Yom Tov. Simchat Yom Tov is the enjoyment of the item on Yom Tov. The major enjoyment from this item is to wear it. And therefore if you send it on Yom Tov we're, not, we're worried about what is he going to do? He's going to wear it because that is the Simchat Yom Tov. That would be the excitement about it. On Shabbat, where the issue is not the focus on the Simcha but rather on the utility is this item useful? There it's not going to be Muxit. So the difference will be on Shabbat, we're not worried about him putting it on because he knows it's a sort of wear. He's simply using it, utilizing it, that's not muksa. On Yom Tov, where you're sending it simply for the purpose for the recipient to get Hanah, to get Simcha from it, that we're not going to let you do because he's going to put it on. That's exactly what it was intended for, the Simcha that it's intended for, and therefore you can't send it on Yom Tov. He says that it's a sur. Nashru rov mas tav. If the majority of its nails came out, nishtarbo dalad ohe, and there are four or five remaining, mutar. Just like if you put on four or five in the beginning for decorative purposes, so to here, if there are only four or five remaining, it's mutar. Rebbe matir ad shevel. Rebbe says, if there's seven left, it's okay. Chipao be'or milamato. If he wrapped it up in leather below, kavolo masmerot milamalo, and he put the nails in on top, mutar. Again, then it's no longer this sandala misumar. It's a more like a shoe, or it's bound in leather. It doesn't have that wooden side of it. Asau kamin kalbus, o kamin tas, o kamin yateid, o shechipao kulo be'masmerot, kadelo shekarko choto, mutar. If he made it, again, the min kalbus we had before, Again, whether kalbus means, like Rashi says, he uses tack, these tacks or these these staples instead of the nails, or does it mean it was in a zigzag fashion? O kamin tas, o kamin yateid. If he puts them in, in a tas or yateid. Now Rashi explains, he says, I saw the Rosha masmer rachav kamin tas. If he made the top of the nail, he flattened it out, so it becomes like a top of a tack. O shaso chad kamin yateid. Or he made it into a spike, like cleats. So if he changes the nail, so the nail becomes functional now for the ground below. And that's not simply to hold the shoe together, it has utility outside of the shoe. So if you made it into spikes, which will then be like cleats, that you're allowed to wear. If you flatten out the tacks, make them flat, for whatever reason, I don't know if it gives you a better grip, for whatever reason that they do that, both of those will be permissible, because then it's no longer the Sandal Musumar that has the nails in it. These aren't like regular nails anymore. You've changed the nature of the nail over here. So either one of those, Kamin Tas, Kamin that is fine. This is what we're after. Rav Shesh said before, if you put the entire soul covered in nails, that's fine. says, I see an internal stira in the Brayta. If the majority of nails are out, even if there are a lot left of them, that is mutar. And then it qualifies, it says, in 
Tfeilo. Four or five, yes. More than that, no. So Amar Rav Sheshet, Lokasha. Kan shenigmimu, kan shenekru. Depends on what happened to these nails. And Rashi gives two interpretations, one the opposite of the other. But the basic concept is the same here, which is, Nigmemu milamalo virishumo nikar betocha eitz. Afilu tuvat amin karsheno kipriato. That if it's nigmemu means that they were pushed up, but their marking, their placement is still there. So therefore you can see that this isn't the way it was made originally. Shinekru, the gamre, if they're totally pulled out, then it's inikarbo uchayaybo yoter. Then there was no sign that there was more there before. So in the case, the way Rashi explains it this way, and he said you could say the exact opposite, but the concept is the same. If you can determine, if you can see that there were many nails there, and a whole bunch of them were taken out, the marking that they were there is still there, then it's clear that people know how this was made, and that it's missing those nails. And that's why this individual is wearing them. He's wearing them because he's missing those nails, and the ones that are left are okay. On the other hand, if it's Kigon, as Rashi says, Shinekru the Gamre, totally taken out, you can't see there were nails there, then five, four or five is fine, because that is decorative. You want to leave them the equivalent of what it would be when it was decorative, and that's fine. Otherwise, you can't have more than that. So the question of majority or not majority has to do with the nature of how the nails were removed. If they were removed in such a manner that you can still see the markings of them, Rashi says, that's fine. Because it's clear that this is not the way it was made, and it no longer qualifies as a sandala musumar. Because the original nails that were there to be mechaberet, to join it together to mitchazek, to keep it strong, are missing. And so it's not a sandala musumar. On the other hand, if you remove them and they're no longer visible, you couldn't tell they were there, then four or five is okay, nothing else is okay. Because when they're Shimon Nikar, you could see that they were there and they were taken out. Here, it is a Sandal Misumar, and if it has the requisite amount, which is four or five, it's okay. If it has more than that, then it won't be okay. Rashi says, V'lashon Chaviro Ipcha, says that somebody gave the exact opposite explanation. But the idea being whether it's obvious that there were other nails here, or it's not obvious that there were other nails here. Arba chamesh mutar. We said before in the Brayta that if you have four or five, it's mutar. You can tell me you can put in five, why do you tell me you can put in four? So I'm Rav Chista, Arba misandal katan, chamesh misandal gadol. You can have four in a small sandal, and five in a large sandal. What's interesting here, and as you see there's a large toast here, discuss, he says, we have this all over Shas. But the Gemara will say, oh, you can put two or three in. You can put five or six in. Gemara never asks, oh, you said six, why did you say five? You said three, why did you say two? The Tosfot distinguishes, it's an interesting distinction that he makes. He says, anytime the Gemara means this and this, and even more. When it says five or six, and it means five or six, or seven or eight or nine, over there the Gemara doesn't ask a question, because that's the way that people speak. You can say, ah, take ten, take twelve, that means take as many as you want. That's the concept that's being espoused there. And therefore, the Gemara doesn't ask, why did you say five and six? Over here, and in other places where the number is exact. The second number, when he says here, four and five, he means exactly five and no more than five. So if you're going to give an exact number, then why do you mention two numbers? Why mention four and five, when five would have sufficed if that's the cap, if that's the limit as to which you go? And that's why the Gemara poses the question here. It says four or five. Just say five. Five is the limit, and it's an exact number. Say five. If again it meant four or five, it meant six, seven, eight. Also, any amount you want, then the Gemara would not ask or pose the question here. Rabbi Matir at Sheva. Rabbi says you can have up to seven. Vatanya Rabbi Matir at He says you can put up at the thirteen. So Gemara says note shining. That makes a difference because of note. The note was again above. I didn't describe it above, and I didn't spend time on it because the Gemara is going to get back to it, which is the soul that is not even. You have an uneven soul. So how does he even out the soul? He puts in nails along the side that is thinner. And therefore, it creates now a flat base for the soul, a flat surface. 
So that's what the Gemara says, note the shiny. Whenever you have that question, then it's obvious that he's wearing it. It's not longer a sandal misumar, and it's not put in there the chazek at the shoe. It's there simply to even out the sole. And by evening out the sole, that's not under the guidelines of sandal misumar. So all the nails there are useful for the sole of the shoe, and they will not count against you, I mean, in terms of sandal misumar. Smart says, Ashdati the Hochi. If you got this far, the Rabbi Yochanan Nami Lokasho. It's not a problem for Rabbi Yochanan, note shiny. So before, if you remember, the bright that we brought spoke about note. And over there, they had Rabbi Natan who said, Anote Oselo Shevak makes seven. Rabbi Natan, Rabbi Matar, Rabbi Gimel. He said up to thirteen. And we said, where's the source for Rabbi Yochanan? Rabbi Yochanan said five. The answer is that Rabbi Yochanan doesn't have a problem anymore. Rabbi Natan and Rabbi were talking about a case of note. They're talking about a case of this uneven soul. Where the nails don't count. We don't worry about that. That's not under Sandal Misumar. So that's why they're talking about 7 and 13. When he talks about 5, he's talking about a Sandal Misumar when they're there to be Mechazik. They're there to hold it together. Amr of Matnav, Amr Ilah, Amr of Achvai, Bar Matnav, Amr of Matnav. Ain't a locha Krabalozib Rabbi Shimon. The locha is not like Krabalozib Rabbi Shimon, who said in the Brighton that we just brought before that it's Oser. He was Oser in the case that they are Muksa. He says that Sandal Misumar is Muksa. It's not just a problem of wearing them. Where it says Pshita. Why would you have to tell me the Allah is not like Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon? What's the question? He's an individual against the Chachamim. So Rabbi Shimon's position makes sense. His position is it's Muqsa because if I let you carry it, you're going to end up wearing it. Maybe that makes sense. Despite the fact that his reason makes sense, nevertheless, we do not paskin like him. Rabbi Chia, who made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, and went and learned by Rabbi in Eretz Yisrael. So he says, if it wasn't for the fact that we'd start calling me the Babylonian Matir, and someone who always comes up with kulas and is Matir everything, Shrina Bey Tuva. I would have let a lot more nails on here. I would have said as many as you want. It's only because he came from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, and they sound like in Eretz Yisrael, they were much stricter, they had a lot more chumrot, and therefore he's coming from Chutzlar, it's with all these kulas, and they didn't want to be called the Babylonian Mekil. So therefore he says, otherwise I would have just let it all go. So Bukamo, how many would he be allowed? So he says, Bupumpadita, Amrin, Esrim, Varba. And Pumpadita, you can put on 24 nails. And Besura, Amrin, Esrim, Vitartin, 22 nails. Amr, Rav, Yavneach, Mabi, Yitzach, Vasimanech. How do you remember which one is which? He says, Ad, by the time you travel from Pupitita Surah, Chaser Darte, your shoe wears down two of the nails. So if you start out with 24 nails, by the time you walk from Pupitita Surah, two of the nails will be worn down, you only have 22 left. So that's how you remember it. I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but that's, he was just making, I think, making a broader statement about how he feels that in, in Bovel they were much more makil than in Eretz Yisrael, and he would be willing to be matir in Eretz Yisrael if it weren't for the fact that they would make fun of him. That they would, you know, question his ability as a postsake if he was matir so many. I don't think he's wearing them and they're asking him, oh, how come you have so many nails in your shoes? It doesn't sound like it was an incident. Okay, well, we'll stop over here.